Hello. Hello. Welcome to Summon Greater Podcast, the show with hot men and even hotter homebrew. And just an entire hot Midwest at this point. Dude, man. we're actually <laughs> really suffering. We're boiling. So today, the the temperature was 99 degrees. The heat index, wet bulb temperature, was 114 uh-huh. in central Illinois. Fun fact for you guys. Did you know the human body ceases being able to fully regulate temperature at 104? Is that true? I'm pretty sure. That's something that my far more medically informed wife told me. So I trust her word. (laughs) Yeah, Either that or we're going to get another clip like the giant one from a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of that, thank you guys so much for interacting with all of the shorts across the varying uh, social media pages. It has been really, really fun to hear from all of you guys. It's really cool that we've we've started to get some traction on mm-hmm. some of those videos. So yeah, the, <laughs> so the one the one about giants specifically <laughs> popped off really hard, uh, like a, a day or two after it was uploaded. Yeah, um, just because like, like I I said stuff without getting the physics of it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you made all the physics nerds angry. <laughs> I made well, I made a lot of physics nerds angry, but I also made a lot of self-proclaimed physics nerds angry. Yes, which resulted in many people just being generally frustrated that I didn't get the subject material, but <laughs> some of them not understanding how i didn't get it and being wrong themselves yeah there was a lot of that a lot of just like you don't understand because this and it's like well i don't think you understand either because what you said was a little little off too yeah (laughs) which like i i talked to a friend of mine who is a physics teacher oh and he he was like he was ready to throw down with me at first (laughs) When I uploaded that clip, he's he's like, you got it wrong. He's like, you're wrong, but also so are 50% of your comments. (laughs) And then he started arguing with people in our comment section, which was so funny. That was really funny. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't realize that was him. I was just like, oh wow, this guy's got a lot of opinions. Uh (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) But yeah, no, um, that hasn't been the only clip, obviously, that's been getting attention. You guys have really come through even just in the first month or so of us doing this and lots of attention, lots of comments. It's been awesome. And it's pretty cool. Like we said, we love hearing from you. So the more the merrier. Oh, yeah, dude. One of the things that was brought to our attention not too long ago was um, someone brought up the concept of multi-classing mm-hmm. in D and how it can be like crazy overpowered and it can really well i can't remember exactly what they so said this uh th- this is my buddy gavin that asked me to talk about this um he his issue with multi-classing is basically like there are some classes that it's just way more worth it to multi-class in than others i bet what we could do at some point is make like a whole tier list on the on on what classes are best to use as like a secondary 
for a multi-class build. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the ones he pointed out are, um, what did he say, Barbarian and Monk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't really? say monk. He said Barbarian, but yeah. Well, yeah, really low-level um, unarmored defense, one of the strongest abilities. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to use the Barbarian Rage, so, like... <laughs> I thought of this when you when you first uh, told me that he had mentioned that. Can you imagine a wizard barbarian's multiclass? No. Actually, I saw a TikTok about that. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, just yesterday, I think. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because like if you just you the give muscle me, wizard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, you don't even have to take more than like one level. Hmm. You just take one level barbarian, and there you go. You have unarmored defense. Yeah. So all of a sudden, your wizard's armor class goes from being like twelve to like if you have decent dexterity and you spec into constitution a little bit, your armor class can go up to like seventeen. Yeah, but also like why not to for rage? Well, specifically for spellcasters, because you can't cast or concentrate on spells That's while true, you're yeah. raging. <clears throat> But it's a great back pocket thing to have if you run out of spell slots. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, that draws into stark contrast. Barbarian is an amazing class to multi-class into. No one's going to multi-class into Ranger. No, no. one's going to multi-class into Artificer. No. Do you... So, do you think that classes like that should be buffed at lower levels? Like, just to have something. I think so. Yeah. I think... Because it's kind of lopsided, the yeah. way multi-classing is. Because you are... only ever see a few classes used as the secondary. Exactly. Because what it really boils down to is, what do you get at level 1 and 2? If you have a class that gets a decent amount of abilities at level 1 and 2, yeah. they're going to be the multi-class classes. Mm-hmm. Everything else, like... Yeah, again, like I said, like, Ranger, obviously... People have issues with the Ranger class in general, so I'll just leave that one out and say mm-hmm. <laughs> currently no one really likes it. Um, <clears throat> but Artificer was the only one I brought up. That class can be a very, very strong class. Totally. But not until it gets like level six or seven. Yeah. What would you give it? What do you mean when you give it? To make it a better oh, class for multi-classing. <clears throat> Ooh, that's a good question. I might have to come back to that yeah. one because I, I want to do some serious thinking. Okay. That's the thing. I want to be able to just like come in here and pop off with like, oh yeah, I would give this class this low level ability and this class that low level ability. But the problem is balancing. Yeah. Like it's really hard to just say what's a good level one ability for a wizard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when barbarians and monks and fighters have pretty good level one abilities but they don't scale as drastically at high levels so it it really boils down to yeah like i said balancing and figuring out like some of these classes just go absolutely nuclear at like level 13 14 15 and above and barbarians are good they start off really strong yeah and they they scale far more evenly than something like a wizard or a sorcerer right. would. So that's true. One thing that I thought about 
that I think would be kind of fun. Um, I don't think it would necessarily solve the problem at all. <laughs> I think, in fact, it would probably make it worse. Uh -huh. But I thought about how fun it would be to have the experience requirement for leveling up mm -hmm. <clears throat> be lower, like for the multi-classing class. So like if you're a level six cleric and you have two levels in fighter, if you get to the experience level of being able to theoretically go from level two to level three in fighter, mm -hmm. you would have the option to do that or bank it and keep going for level seven cleric. I'm not sure I get that. Um, it requires on the um, experience points system, not milestone. So basically, like if it if it takes. Oh, I I get it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> so if it would take like four thousand points to get from level two to level three. Yeah. And then it takes like sixteen thousand points to get from level six to level seven. If you hit four thousand, you have the option of saying, "I'm going to take the lower level." Or I'm going to wait and I'm going to take the higher level. Yeah. Very much does not solve that problem. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And like, I I was slow to get that because like, we never use, we never use numbers for experience points. And also the heat is really getting to me. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. We, we do exclusively milestone leveling. So yeah. it would just be a matter of like, you talk to your DM and they'd be like, okay, you can get like much much sooner than yeah. everyone else like maybe in like two sessions where they would need to wait five or six i don't know if i've even talked to anyone that does point based i think i think that's kind of another victim of the whole it used to be this type of game and now this is what it has evolved i was into. gonna tie it into that actually yeah um oh you know who does use it though who critical role do they yeah they do track experience points on Critical Role. I didn't know enough to know. Well, because they don't really talk about it. They never talk about no. it. No. Huh. Um, but there, I do remember, because there was one episode of the Mighty Nine campaign, I think, where they had the overlays up for mm -hmm. the stream. And I was watching, and one of the characters was a level behind. I was like, what? Like, that's so weird. That's but, interesting. But then they immediately leveled up after that uh -huh. session. Because they were only like five points off. Huh. That's really wild that they keep so quiet about it. Yeah, especially when they're st like, I shouldn't say staggering, but like when they're tracking individual experience yeah. points. It probably makes the show the show more watchable. I think I think it's a really cool thing for the people at home mm -hmm. because the Critical Role wiki is like, they are on it, yeah. man. I'm fairly certain... I haven't really dug into it, but I'm fairly certain that they have fairly accurately tracked the experience gain for most of the campaigns, mm -hmm. which is just... That's amazing. It's really I mean, cool. I, I guess you could do that kind of easily, you know? Well, for the people who know the the experience points system very well, yeah. Well, that's... A, I mean, the thing is, like, we have easy access to... The amount of experience that every monster gives. Yeah. You know? 
The only the only question would be if there's like bonus experience granted for anything. Sure. Because there's no real way to track that. But if they're going solely off of monsters, then yeah, we would be able to watch all the episodes and go, this is exactly how many experience points they have. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think another thing that, spinning back to um, multi-classing, Another thing that's always kind of frustrated me with multi-classing is doubling up on a spellcasting class. Okay. Like, if you go, one of the most popular builds around the internet right now is the Sorcerer Warlock build. Okay. Because, internet forgive me, I don't remember exactly how the interaction works. But basically, Warlocks are able to recover spell slots on a short rest. Sorcerers can convert spell slots into sorcery points. Well, gee. Uh Uh-oh. So given enough time, I think that's exactly how it works. Given enough time, as long as they never take a full long rest, Uh if they have a way to remove... um, exhaustion like a greater restoration whatever they will theoretically have an infinite number of spell slots and sorcery points oh no yeah just from taking long rests. oh no dude and the other reason why it's so good is because warlocks and sorcerers use the same casting modifier oh my god they're both charisma casters that's very silly yeah and that's one of the things that has like frustrated me uh-huh. <clears throat> because I have I had this idea a long time ago for a character that um I had a I had a really fun backstory for. It was a a character that found out they had a magical ancestry. So a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. They had they got their magical blood from something, someone, somewhere. And then <clears throat> they went to a wizard school to learn how to more effectively use it. So they would be a multi-class between sorcerer and wizard, Mm -hmm. which I thought would be really fun. But sorcerer and wizard use different spellcasting modifiers. So you would have to split your focus between charisma and intelligence. You would. That's not the end of the world. It would be cool to have a charisma and intelligence character. But then that means you're probably going to have a much lower dexterity, means you're going to have a lower armor class. Or you're going to have a much lower constitution and much lower maximum hit points. It happens. It's fine. You can work around it. But it's always bummed me out that multi-classing into a different spellcaster class, you have to switch what ability you use for casting those yeah. spells. That that just seems like something that should be accounted for in the rules. Yeah. I think... I think that's something that if I were to, we talked about before, um, having a system that would rival Dungeons and Dragons, how it would need to stay kind of on the same path, but rethink a lot of things in like some pretty major ways. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I would say would probably make for a good rival system. If you have an interchangeable stat that you can use for spellcasting, like if you can choose this type of spellcaster can use either this or that stat. I think it 
I think it could be a little simpler than that even. Mm. Um, and you could just say like your spellcasting stat is the one from the class that you have more levels in. I could see, I could see how that might be confusing too. And that might be complicated too, though, because if you're, if you're leveling like, and trying to keep a, like an even level between sorcerer, wizard, whatever, what happens if you have a sorcerer wizard that's level 10, level 10, you pick, yeah because i think that picking for every class no matter what is a little bit loose because what what classes are is it from from a role play perspective is an archetype yeah and you know if if we're not getting into like subclasses then once you once you start saying any of these classes can use any of these casting classes can use any spell casting modifier. We're starting to drift away from that thesis a little well, bit. I don't think it would, I don't think they should be able to use any spell casting okay. modifier. I think that there should be a choice of two specific stats okay. per spell casting class. Like sorcerer, I would say you can choose between constitution or charisma. Constitution. There's one for you, Internet. I see. I am mad that Sorcerer is not a Constitution caster. That would be really funny. That's actually it's it's one of the homebrews that I that I want to implement into Ooh. one of my own campaigns sometime. Like a subclass? Or no, just, just a just, thing that just Sorcerers can do? Completely change the Sorcerer class so that it is a Constitution-based sure. casting class. Because... I don't think charisma makes the most sense for them. Uh-huh. I think I think you could argue for charisma. Yeah. But you're talking about your bloodline. You are using your bloodline. Sorcery points come from your connection to the arcana mm-hmm. within you. So if you're casting based on your constitution, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because it's how strong you are. And also, how badass would it be to have a high hit point spellcaster... It's still not going to be as high hit points because the hit dice are going to be lower. Yeah. But I just I just think it would make more sense to have sorcerers primarily be constitution casters. Okay. <clears throat> I think that's pretty compelling. Yeah. I would I would love to see you try that <laughs> at some point. I know. Well, I almost did it in the campaign that we just started recently that I'm running. Oh yeah. But no one chose a sorcerer. <laughs> yeah. I think I think even like if we if for some reason we end up throwing a fourth campaign onto the three that we're playing. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> I think if, if you're a player in it, you, you should pitch it to the DM. That would be And ask fun. if you can you can play this homebrew that you're working on. That would be really cool. Yeah. I might do that. Yeah. I might. <clears throat> but yeah, going back to the whole multi-classing pick from one of two um, spellcasting abilities. Wizard, I think intelligence or wisdom for a wizard would be kind of cool cleric wisdom or charisma like not all spellcasting classes are going to overlap in the same way mm-hmm. but it would be cool to have certain ones that like they overlap fairly well like even if you were to say wizard was intelligence or charisma instead of intelligence or wisdom 
if you say your wizard can be intelligence or charisma and then you choose charisma for your wizard then you could go to sorcerer and say your your modifier could be constitution or charisma and you choose charisma for that then you have the same modifier for wizard and sorcerer yeah th- all right i think it's really similar to the way that you can build fighters and other classes like that fighters you can go strength based or yeah. dexterity based hmm. i just i just think it makes a lot of sense to have options i like that that's a lot to chew on <laughs> it really is <laughs> that might need to be its own separate video i i think so and i think it could be a good one i i think you could expand it quite a bit too it's yeah like, well, i want i want a I want a con barbarian subclass. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. Or oh paladin. My gosh. That'd be sick. <laughs> a constitution barbarian subclass. I'm imagining you said that. And I immediately started imagining like, um, like as like part of their rage, like a subclass bonus to their rage when they take half damage for something, the other half that like was not mitigated an opponent would like also take that much damage if they're close enough to them to where it's like they're throwing themselves into combat, taking damage, but also dealing the same amount okay. just by being that aggressive. Because I'm like, if you're going to base your barbarian on its constitution, let them abuse their hit point bar and just use that to damage people. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. It, obviously that would need to be tweaked. Uh-huh. But yeah, I would love to do an oh like a video on options for primary stats. Because another thing that has always kind of pissed me off about multi-classing and spellcasters, your spell slots don't stack. Oh, I guess not. You have two separate tables of spell slots uh, for your spellcaster. That sucks so bad. Yeah. It's awful. I'm really frustrated with that. Uh-huh. Because like you could wind up with like nine first level spell slots and then your spell casting still only goes up to like level five. Mm-hmm. You could be a 20th level character and just not have high level spells. Yeah. One thing that's popped into my head to uh, quote unquote fix that one. I've toyed with the idea of using spell points instead of spell slots. What do you mean? Like a mana bar. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think it would be hard to do at all. Because all you do, a first level spell slot, one point. Second level spell slot, two points. And then as you would gain spell slots, however many spell slots you have, you add up. Like if you have three first level spell slots and one second level spell slot, that's three four five points you have five spell points mm-hmm. so if you want to cast a bunch of first level spells you can but you can also save it up and you can do far less lower level spell slots and you can cast a cu- like one extra of your highest level kind mm-hmm. of a thing if you save up your points correctly that's a hard adjustment for a lot of people to make but it actually opens the floor to some interesting concepts Mm -hmm. like temporary mana yes because yeah you can't just 
implement temporary spell slots? No. Like you gotta you gotta pick a number. Mm-hmm. You know, and that also opens up a cool thing. I love that you brought up temporary mana with sorcerers. Uh huh. As you have like a higher level in the sorcerer class, your sorcery points that you would normally be able to like spend a sorcery point to uh-huh. give yourself a spell slot. You could maybe they would give you points equal to your proficiency modifier. So like at a lower level sorcerer, you spend a, a sorcery point to give yourself two more points. But once you get to higher levels, it, that could go up to six more points. I think I think that's maybe even a bit weaker than it would normally be. <clears throat> Well, because you, normally you would need to spend a certain amount of sorcery points to get one oh, spell slot. Right, okay. I get you. I am playing my first sorcerer in one of our campaigns, so I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense then, I think. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. But yeah, on the topic of um, starting new campaigns and playing new characters and things, I actually did get a chance to test out one of my homebrew crafting theory yeah finally things that i put together yeah we uh we played one of one of my campaigns uh the other night and we it was our what our third session it was our fourth session it was our fourth session fourth session we finally got to combat and Uh i got to test out something that i had kind of thrown together rather hastily Uh but managed to make some sense out of yeah i i thought it I mean, you could have told me you came up with that a month ago, you know? <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Always good to hear from a DM perspective. The players <laughs> thought you were prepared. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's something that I uh, initiated at the beginning of combat called the anticipation round. Mm-hmm. So it's a little complicated. Bear with me. But <clears throat> it kind of works the exact opposite way as a surprise round. You get to study your opponents and kind of prepare a little bit for the combat that's coming. So each person you would roll initiative as normal, and that determines how you move in combat and in the anticipation round Mm -hmm. in initiative order. Each player gets to make an insight check against a specific enemy's deception check. If you're successful, you can then also prepare a counter plan for their attack. So the insight check is the first thing that you can do uh, of three things on the anticipation round turn. So if you are successful on the insight check, you can attempt to counter plan, which would then be a contested attack roll between you and that enemy Mm -hmm. that you incited. So it would be whatever attack is your highest, whether that's a rapier or a spell casting attack, <clears throat> whichever two hit modifier is highest, you use that. Roll your d20, and then the loser of that check, that contested check, has disadvantage against the winner in the first round of combat. But if you failed your insight check or if you just choose not to do the contested Mm -hmm. attack thing, you can instead um, do a 
general defense and just give yourself a plus one to your armor class in the first round of combat. And then the third and final thing that you get to do on your turn in the anticipation round is you get to activate a bonus action ability. So like a barbarian could rage on the anticipation round. This is before any damage is coming in. So on your first turn in combat, you can go right in and do a bunch of damage and get a bonus action attack as well. Um, monks can activate like patient defense or something like that. Or um, you actually utilized it to cast Blade Ward on yourself, yep. which I forgot that was a bonus action. And I went, oh, sick. <laughs> for uh, for that druid subclass it is nice yeah. okay yeah because i was gonna say i was like i felt like that one was in action but yeah it was, it, it was a bonus action for your mm-hmm. class so that was cool yeah i you can uh that's that's an ability that currently my character is able to use twice per long rest oh mm-hmm. okay so i actually did cast blade ward twice in that session as a bonus action but i couldn't have done that again mm-hmm. i would have had to use it as an action Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't even know that about uh-huh. that. That's fun. Yeah, it's super sick. Yeah. The other reason why the anticipation round was so sick was because this particular combat was 2v2 player versus player. Yep. So it was a lot of fun watching you guys incite each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cerebral. I, I like that session a lot. Because Yeah, we had our monk and artificer up against the barbarian and the druid which you were playing the druid Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it could have been balanced better i don't think so and that was legitimately that was purely i just went i think these two should go together i didn't look at the classes at all and then we started combat and i went i okay i did okay (laughs) i had a moment of being like crap did i screw this up (laughs) yeah I was worried initially that the artificer was going to get like a really debilitating spell off at first. And then the monk would just clean house. Yeah. That did not happen. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was actually really balanced because the monk was doing a lot of damage. But um, in the anticipation round, uh, our barbarian got to activate their rage. Yeah. So they stayed up really well. The barbarian missed several attacks. And then, but the ones that they did hit dealt lots of damage. Yeah. So eventually the monk did go down and then it was the artificer who managed to stick around a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. He was, he was dodging a lot. Yeah. Well, even at low levels, cause you guys were only level two mm-hmm. in this, even at level two, he had armor and he had the enhanced armor thing. So he had an armor class of 17 that's at level so two, nice. which is really that's, cool. That's so much for level two. Yeah. It was kind of hard to get around, but yeah. you guys eventually did get them. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a really really cool session. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I want to pivot to something I've just really been wanting to talk about. Go for it. Um. <laughs> so this happened just today. Uh, uh. Buddy messaged me, and asked. Let me get his exact words. He asked, "What is an object you would really hate to see animated and fight?" so that is a horrifying question yes what would you have sent him an object that i would hate to see animated i'd hate to see an object animated and then have to fight it yeah there are too many objects in the world sam that's a hard one um 
Are we talking something like specifically in fantasy or like in our world? A- anything. An excavator. Okay. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> That's really freaky. Yeah. Um, I said, I sent him just a photo of a water tower. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Specifically, specifically one with the legs. Yeah. Uh-huh. The four posters. <laughs> Freaking just, he said walking that I, water tower. Oh, that was the, immediately the image I had in my head. Just this water <laughs> tower turning into a spider and like like spewing water on people. <laughs> that that would be fun to make a monster out of. It would be. I would be. It, yeah, it would be some kind of construct. <laughs> Greater mimic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Tainted supply. <laughs> <laughs> I so you. i thought of that and then when i was when oh. i was writing it down to bring it up i was like what about what about a water tower without the legs that's <laughs> just like like silo style water tower i don't know how that would work have you ever seen a burrowing snagrit from pikmin no I'm going to show you the burrowing snagrit. Oh, no. I'm going to hate it, aren't I? (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's kind of just two animals put together. What the fuck? Bird snake. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't like that. (laughs) So it. Oh, wait, this is the thing that's in Smash, in the Smash Brothers. It is in Smash Brothers, yeah. (laughs) I hate it. Now I he, he it, ain't got no arms. That was what I thought of when I thought of this light when I thought not lighthouse when I thought of this uh <clears throat> this water tower thing. I've got lighthouses on the brain because yeah, it's one other. of my characters. But I think it would actually, in practice, look more like a giraffe because of how they fling their heads around at each other. Oh my gosh, I forgot <laughs> about that. They really do. I think it's it would like look exactly like that. It's like freaking Beyblade. Like, let her rip! <laughs> it's so insane to watch that happen. Yeah. Man, freaking... Animals fighting is like... Sometimes it's funny. Other times it's terrifying. It's, oh, it's like, what What are you doing with that? It's because they'll use anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, you don't have permission to throw that at us in your campaign <laughs> i i would never i have much worse in i store believe for you. you i cannot show you my pinterest account <laughs> it's it's so bad do any of you guys use pinterest for your D campaigns like to save pictures and things i didn't know anyone who did before <clears throat> before you yeah and i Actually, use... i don't know who started doing that between you and your wife I think it was Sophia. Yeah. I think it was. But she started and then she was like, ooh, look at this. I have artwork for my characters. And I went, oh, I'm stealing that and doing that forever now. Thank you. (laughs) You're like, oh, do you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have artwork for my characters. So do I. (laughs) But yeah, now it is an integral part of D&D for me for like planning my sessions, planning my campaigns. I have Pinterest boards that have like 
over 1500 pins yep. on them separated into several different sections That's insane yeah specifically for D. &D. It's so much man it's it's crazy yeah it's a lot but it is so helpful it is so unbelievably cool to mm -hmm. be able to be like ding 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 here's six different pictures of the people that you just met in this yeah. really important area and also here's what the background looks like and also here's a picture of the big bad evil guy mm -hmm. like it's just so convenient i do want to get to a point of being able to do my own character's artwork but i am a horrible artist so that's gonna take me a long time yeah <laughs> dude i'm still getting whale comments <laughs> that's like five different people today that have commented about whales both on the giant video just talking about like size differences and the cancer one. Oh my gosh Really? <laughs> That's because, so, so specific and weird. So Ben Ben told me about this. Uh, whales don't really ever die of cancer. They do get cancer, but the cancer gets cancer. <laughs> What? They get super tumors. <laughs> Band name, call it. <laughs> what in the hell Looking is a super, super tumor? tumor? Band. <laughs> nope. All I get is super tramp. Okay, super um, tumors open. That's mine now. You can't have it. it. <laughs> um. So a whale gets a tumor, right? Because it has a lot of cells. And eventually something is going to go wrong with one of those cells. But that tumor has to get really big to cause damage. I was going to say, because of the mass of the cells uh -huh. exponentially, well, percentageally. Not not necessarily the mass of the cells, but like there are more cells. Yeah, that's that what I meant. That need to go wrong, right? That tumor can't get that big because it has its own cancer cells. So... Eventually, just through probability, something in those cells goes wrong, and you get you get like another cancer in the cancer cells. It's like a freaking Fibonacci sequence that, of cancer that just like <laughs> tear apart and break down the original tumor. That's insanity. This is at least my understanding from from how Ben explained it to me. We're fighting cancer but, with cancer. Yeah. There you go, scientists. <laughs> Study some whales. I, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> there you go, scientists. <laughs> <laughs> what is this scientist an idiot? <laughs> Why didn't he just study whales? <laughs> you want to cure cancer? Could have cured cancer, but <laughs> do what the whales did. Stupid. You know, I'm, I'm sure that that's probably an avenue of research that exists. I hope it is. I mean, that sounds it's cool. Like giving the cancer cancer. 
Yeah, like how badass is that? Like, oh, I gotta go cut open a whale tumor to get the tumor inside the tumor so we can kill other <laughs> so cancerous think tumors. That's how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> Let me live my fantasy. <laughs> Why do you want there to be a grafting? I don't know. We got to take the cancer-killing cancer cells out of the cancerous tumor so that the cancer-killing cancer cells can kill other cancer. It's really hard to mess with whales out in the ocean, though. Yeah, I suppose it didn't go too well the last time we tried doing that. Because, like, what are you talking about? Whaling. Oh, well, there's that. I yeah. mean, you, you can just kill them, but, like, specifically to, you know... No, we gotta do, do like whale do surgery. Do work on a whale. Yeah. When, dude, get a couple chinooks out there and get like one of those like the really. <laughs> no, don't do that. You'll give it the bends. <laughs> I think we're divulging into an entirely different podcast here. <laughs> that on on a topic that we know like not a lot about not oh, enough yeah, about absolutely <laughs> to be talking with such authority this will not be a short so that the rest of the internet <laughs> cannot come back thank god and tell us how stupid we are again <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but yeah so uh homebrew and all that stuff yeah man we we actually did get a fan submission um not too long ago this is a really big website. Okay. This really is a big website. Uh-huh. It looks really good, too. It looks fantastic. Someone someone commented on our first short. It was the it was the Xenoblade homebrew thing. The, yeah. The shield art. Mm-hmm. Um and someone someone commented, I've got a big homebrew website full of stuff from Xenoblade too. And uh <clears throat> his name was Itagami. I will put the link to this website in the description. Yeah, on the website it does say um, you can call me Boomer in the uh, in he the also about, goes by Boomer. Yeah, in about the creator section. Let me try to give the briefest rundown possible of the blades in Xenoblade Two. <laughs> blades are a race is the best way to describe them, I suppose. Um, certainly adapted to a race in this homebrew, uh, but basically they they are sentient weapons um they are often humanoid sometimes they look like beasts usually big cats if so but mostly humanoid very human looking often uh and they are awakened from a core crystal as a fully formed individual with a personality but no (laughs) memories well that's when they are Awaken when a blade is awakened, they're awakened by another person who is called their driver. Um, and that driver is from that point bonded to this blade, this individual, for the rest of the driver's life. Mm. And when the driver eventually passes away, the blade uh, returns to their core crystal and loses all of their memories from their life with this driver Oof. to be awakened again as the same person, but with none of the previous memories in a uh, really terrible cycle that is explored to a really profound extent <clears throat> in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I like that game a lot. I love all of these games a lot. Just just looking through, there's a lot to comment on. 
Yeah, he's website. done a ton of work There's already. There's so much, man. Um, I really love this. I would really love to make maybe an analysis video of some sort. It in the future, we would need quite a bit of time. Yeah, just to just to research all this. But is, is there anything that specifically sticks out to you that you want to talk about here? I think looking at the mechanics tab, um, blades as a race mm-hmm. was really cool to me. I haven't looked through all of it, but I, I saw that and it just is really cool because you also mentioned to me a while ago um, when we were just talking about Xenoblade, how cool it would be to be able to have like a driver and a blade mm-hmm. in a campaign. But you also mentioned the fact that it would it would be kind of weird too because let's say you're playing in like a more hardcore campaign whatever there's a lot of combat if the driver does die whoever is playing their blade there go your memories yeah someone else is either going to wake you up or you're going to play a different character uh-huh. that's very mm. hard to handle as as a player yeah <laughs> like your your character's life just getting snuffed out because you know someone else did like a soul link right yeah i mean it's really really cool when it um from like a story standpoint because it means you have a vested interest in keeping this person alive you are dedicated to them and it is truly devastating life shattering to lose this person Mm -hmm. because your life essentially reboots yep that's a big part of the narrative exploration of the game yeah but so I was just impressed by this because they have an entire like, um, like racial ability bonuses, like a, like a full fully fleshed out like a, a race page. It's a lot, man. For for blades, and they there's an optional sub race. There's so much on here, <laughs> <laughs> and um, they basically they built a separate class, almost almost a different class system uh-huh. for the blades. They progress slightly differently. They have a little bit more abilities, um, but it's really cool because they have um, like natural armor. Blades do not typically wear human armor, their attire and armor being permanently on their body, mm-hmm. um, only being alterable with specific items. Natural armor class is 16 plus dexterity modifier. High. Yeah. Really like it, it just makes them really, really good warriors. I think he also mentioned maybe on a different page no it was just above here as a note most blades will have the fighter class with the champion subclass Mm -hmm. which i think is really not a problem i think with the range you have with the blade race like i i think that sort of makes sense because most of the variation is is contained within the race here like much more than any race would normally you know contribute to the identity of a character yeah and because they also have you can roll for the rarity of your blade yeah which will determine the power of its innate special abilities Mm -hmm. because the the abilities of the blade are actually separate from the class and subclass that they are it's an innate like a racial ability and it kind of it updates and upgrades as they level up so you almost get a multi-class right out of the right out of the, the gate right. yeah i think i i think that's something i i neglected to catch on immediately is probably what the creator here has in mind is for blades to consistently be npcs um which 
you know, make, make sense with the awakening process. And I, I think that's how this would be used most often. I mean, it's really cool. It's basically an upgraded hireable NPC. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think it would also be really, really fun to integrate this into smaller campaigns mm -hmm. like less people like if you only have three players if you let one of them awaken a blade now you've got four players mm -hmm. essentially yeah basically <clears throat> it's really strong it i don't know if it relies too heavily on blades being a very very consistent part of the world i feel like you you could run this in a in a campaign where you know there aren't many of these types of people like they're you know maybe you just there are one of these core crystals in the world right i was gonna say i don't think it necessitates blades being any kind of known or popular object or item in the world mm -hmm. like you said if, if, if there's only one in the world it's still it essentially works as a magic item that summons you not a familiar obviously because they're stronger than a familiar in but, a way <clears throat> definitely stronger than a familiar yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah just the versatility in this and because boomer also has sheets for already created npc versions of the blades mm -hmm. specifically he has sheets for a great number of the actual characters from Xenoblade 2. This makes me so happy to look at. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's really awesome. I haven't actually played Xenoblade 2. I've watched you play it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know who most of these people are, but I obviously I recognize Mithra and Pyra, the, uh -huh. the most famous ones. But yeah, so like, there's different weapon types that yeah. the blades can use. There's special blades, great axe, mega lance, chroma katana, shield hammer, twin rings, knuckle claws, bit ball, ether cannon. And they, the creator of this page has at least one character under each of those weapon types mm -hmm. already created. And there's a sheet up for them to use as an NPC. Several of the blade types, there's three or four sheets. The, this is absolutely a labor of love, I can tell. It, and they oh, put yeah, so dude. much effort into this. I, this this person <clears throat> thought of absolutely everything. This absolutely deserves like a more in-depth, like, let's take a look at the mechanics I really think kind of so. thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great job, Boomer Itagami. Uh, I don't know what you, what you go by more often, but I really love what you've made here. Um, as somebody who absolutely loves these games to death, like... <laughs> This is a really good adaptation of the source material. No comments right now beyond just praise, but like, I, again, <laughs> if we, you want us wanna... to tear into it, we'll take a look at it in a, in a more in-depth video. But... I want to, I plan to <laughs> yep. good shit. <clears throat> yeah. So if there's anyone in our community who wants to do the same thing for, I don't know, magic, the gathering characters, <laughs> if you want to make my heart really happy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, dude. But you're going to have to race me because I'm going to start working on it now. Seeing how well they did with this, I'm really invested. Yeah. Because <laughs> now I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, oh boy, Planeswalkers. <laughs> there you go, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm sure we could find something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I made character sheets for some of the Magic Planeswalkers because I used them in one of the uh, mini campaigns. That's that we right. Ran. Yeah. You used Jace in... Uh... One of the ones that I was a guest in briefly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, there, Jace was in there and Ajani and Kaya. Mm -hmm. 
for those of you who play Magic the Gathering, you will recognize those names. For those of you who don't, they are um, Planeswalkers. They are some of the more prominent characters in the Magic the Gathering storyline and lore. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, it was a ton of fun. Obviously, I didn't play them with all of their abilities because that would have been a little a little broken yeah. for a game of Dungeons and Maybe, Dragons. Yeah. But I mean, can you give an example <clears throat> of like something you did adapt directly from the game? Um, yeah, Kaya actually is probably the easiest one to talk about. I don't have the sheets pulled up in front of me, yeah. but Kaya in one of the more recent sets, um, what the hell is the name of that set? I'm aware. I just made the weirdest face. Think I've seen um, Donkey Kong make that face. <laughs> Uh, Kaldheim. <laughs> the set's name is Kaldheim. <laughs> Kaldheim? Kaldheim. Yeah, okay. it was a um, Viking, like Norse-based oh, okay. set. Um, <clears throat> Kaya, really long story short, yeah. originally came from a lot of planes over, and she worked for a council of ghosts. Okay. Um, in the Kaldheim set, she got her own ability to like become ethereal. Um, and like essentially in Dungeons and Dragons terms, she has the ability to travel through the ethereal plane. Okay. So I picked a soul knife rogue for her because she can use psychic energy Ooh. to make knives. And she was an assassin for this council of ghosts mm -hmm. and she would go in and use her ethereal abilities and get the kill and disappear, walk through walls and get out. So I said soul knife. Because you kind of get the same thing. Obviously, there's not as much of the, like, walking through walls. <clears throat> but I gave her some um, items that let her see into the ethereal plane. And it was really cool. It was a lot of fun because I got to, like, look at some of the cards that Kaya is on and mm -hmm. go. I think the picture that they have of her there, that artwork looks like it could be this ability from oh, the sure. soul knife yeah. kind of thing. It's a lot of fun. It was that really rocks. cool. <clears throat> Yeah, and then obviously Ajani was uh, a barbarian. <laughs> Big kitty hit hard. Simple enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think an argument could have been made for um, paladin or cleric for Ajani, right. but they were NPCs in a story, and I was basically just using them because I wanted interplanar travel. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that is a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's one of the weirdest, or I shouldn't say weird, one of the funniest tendencies that my wife and I have when we're making D and D campaigns and like new worlds and things, we almost always find a way to somehow in the nichest way possible, tie it into one of our existing right. worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, Ooh, but maybe there's a portal that goes from that one to this one because of this and this thing so that we can pull in our first ever D and D characters that we made. Cause we That's really right. love them yeah. and they're really fun. <laughs> I do. I have to say, uh, you know, from, the outset whenever that kind of idea is introduced like the main worry is am i just am i just doing a nostalgia thing here and you know regardless of whether it started that way i think i really <clears throat> like the way that um those previous characters that you guys had have been memorialized in her current campaign that she's running yeah we kind of have 
kind of like the MCU of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> campaigns bit. going on. Like it's it's weird and it's not it's not as connected as the MCU uh-huh. obviously, but the, theoretically looking at every campaign we've made, there is technically a connection for like a red string connection from the very beginning all the way to like every other campaign that we play. Yeah. It's really fun. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that is our time for today. Thank you for watching Summon Greater Podcast. Uh, we, as we mentioned earlier, we want to talk about the crazy stuff that you've been dreaming up. And we want to talk about it on the show specifically because, holy crap, that was fun. But we are done talking about whales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, honestly, no more whales. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done hearing about him. I'm done talking about giants for a minute. <laughs> At least until it's time to talk about giants again, yeah. which will be in early August when the new source when book Bigby's comes out. Hell. <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyway, please send your suggestions to at someone greater on Twitter or someone greater pod at gmail.com. We want to hear it. We want to lambast it publicly live. In front of your peers. And ours. Tune in next week for when we do exactly that. (laughs) See you next week. Thank you for watching. Goodbye.